Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well met fellow adventurers, I am in the capital city of Talinus. That is, the capital city is called Talinus, it's the capital of Talisa. And I'm here to do the last adventure here, or at least for now anyway, it's called eavesdropping. You hear a particularly interesting tidbit of information while eavesdropping over a mug of ale in the Stoic Lord Tavern. Start the adventure. Now this section number is 3957, so this is a really old adventure. While relaxing over a frothing mug of ale in the Stoic Lord Tavern, you can't help but overhear a conversation between two shady-looking characters seated at the next table over. Although you can't quite hear every word that's being said, you do hear the men repeatedly making mention of a lark song way. Okay, I'll just copy that just in case I need to make use of it. Claims he's got himself some valuable bit of news, says one of the men, as they get up and leave. I won't say nothing, though. Knowing what? Knowing that little rat, it will be a false lead or some complete fabrication. Fabrication. When the men are, are gone, you ask a man seated across the table from you if Larkstone Way is a street here in Talonus. The man replies that it is. He warns you that it runs through a rough section in the city's eastern quarter. You thank the man and leave the tavern. And that's that. Okay. Let's explore Talonus. 
And now let's look for Larkstone Way. After a somewhat lengthy trek, you happen upon that which you seek, Larkstone Way. Larkstone Way is a narrow, twisting street in the city's eastern section, crowded with beggars, beggars and gangs of roving street urchins. Now and again, city guard patrols sweep through this desperate sector, scattering the filthy wabble that calls the gutters and alleys of this unwholesome thoroughfare home. As you move along the crowded, odious street, you are approached by a young lad garbed in a gaudy, tasseled cape that is much too large for his frame. The lad bows deeply and introduces him, himself to you as Derbrick. You look like a man of adventure, sir, he says, grinning. And if indeed you are, I've got, just, I've got a bit of information you might be willing to swap some gold for. Let you have it for 25 tokens. So, I've got three options here. Play him no mind and leave Larkstone Way. Play him 25 gold and hear what he has to say. Or I could use divination just to check if he's actually got anything. Call upon my power of divination. You sense that the lad is telling the truth. You also sense the information of which he speaks could prove to be quite valuable. Okay. I'll pay him the 25 gold. Jerbit, 25 gold is paid. Jerbit snatches and pockets the gold. He then looks over both shoulders and moves in close to you, speaking in a hushed tone. You listen intently as the young man describes in detail a strange stone monument he came upon while exploring the forest east of the city. He tells you that, that, that the massive statue, as tall as two men and wider than three standing abreast, was covered with vines and moss and half sunken into, into the soft earth, making it difficult to notice that you were nearly on top of it. It was a giant closed fist, he says, his eyes wise as he relates his tale, and it was covered with all sorts of strange markings and the like. Quite strange indeed. Jabbit tells you that he attempted to revisit the statue, but but he was but when he returned to the spot a few days later, after having first found it, he was aghast to discover a band of forest trolls who set up camp in the vicinity. The woods were crawling with them, he says. I haven't ever seen a troll before, and I don't dare, I don't care to ever see one again. They were horrible. Must have been eight, nine, or ten of them. I dare not go back again. But I wager that it would take a whole legion of trolls to scare you off, eh, Minister? Actually, three legions. Three legions. Derbick explains once more how to get to the statue, and you thank him for the information. With a quick wave, the young man disappears along the teeming thoroughfare. Soup. To follow Derbick's directions to the statue in the forest, Return to the main section for Talus and, and select Explore Talus. Then enter Forest Statue as the location you wish to explore. Okay, I'll just copy put that onto the pasteboard so it's available. Now there must be more. I think there's more stuff. In, is there more stuff in Larkstone Way? Explore Talus. Okay, Lark. 
Dark Songway. Well, oh, it's 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 on the drop down list now. There we are. Okay. Okay. I'll meet the guy again. Halfway along the crowded odious street, you're approached by the young lad Derbick. He bows ceremoniously and asks for news of your latest adventures. Come, come about this this way again, mister, he says. I'll, I'll try to scale up something worth your while. Mind yourself now, and don't go get eaten by any forest trolls. You smirk and bid the precocious boy farewell as you continue on your way. Nope, can't can't do anything in Larkstone 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 way yet. Maybe later. Okay, explore talentless. Let's go find that forest statue. Explore. After a somewhat lengthy trek, you happen upon that which you seek. The location of the statue that Derbick told you about. With little difficulty, you reach the spot in the forest that Derbig indicated, and much as he described, you spot the massive, vine-entangled stone fist rising out of the soft earth. And, as the young lad also related, you count at least two dozen forest trolls milling about in the secluded forest nook. Hmm. Section numbers here are earlier than for eavesdropping. It's like, they made this quest... And then they made eavesdropping just to get you, point you towards it. Presumably after, af, when, after the hints that he put on the news pages had gone down. And that people weren't constantly talking about on the forums anymore. A large... Oh, Two dozen forest trolls milling about the secluded forest. Look, a large high tent has been erected in close proximity to that statue. You can only assume that it houses more. As is some fearsome, savage leader of these trolls. There is currently no way you could hope to directly approach the camp without being discovered. discovered. So, three options. Boldly enter the troll encampment, attempt to sneak closer to the tent to investigate, or move away from here and head back to the city. Which just means I'll be coming back here again later, so no point doing that. Attempt to sneak closer to the... What does happen? Nope, nothing happens. I just get, I just get go straight to the city. Forest statue. Okay, no, okay. Attempt to sneak so closer to the tent. You skirt around the perimeter of the, of the encampment, attempting to get as close as you can. Get to the large high tent, picking a number. Bonus 243! 81 from Woodmanship. And 162 from Feathery. So, so that means my Feathery skill is doubled for this. And my Woodmanship skill is just added on straight away. Pick now. 254. Which is the lowest number I could have possibly got. P 
but it still passes it by a huge margin. 32 experience to General. The troll chieftain makes no noise, save for a distressed gasping sound as your brutal, unseen stroke ends his life of cruel malaise. What? I didn't think I'd be killing. Well, not yet. I think I'd be killing later, but not right now. As the heavy, as his heavy form slumps over inside the tent, you hastily retreat to the cover of the forest, while you lie in wait to observe the reaction of the trolls once they discover their leader has been slain. A loud, anguished bellow, nearly an hour after his death, it took you that long, signals to you that the chieftain's body has at last been discovered. In a matter of moments, the entire encampment is thrown into chaos, with trolls moving off to insert off in search of the woods surrounding the camp, and many bickering and fighting each other as a natural struggle or supremacy develops among the leaderless band of brutal savages. You remain concealed in the tight nook, well beyond the arc of the troll's half-hearted search, and indeed within several minutes the patrol has been abandoned, and all have returned to the, in- returned to the camp. A troll larger than the West seems to have emerged as the new leader of the camp. And his swift and merciless beheading of two of his more dissident kin serves to seal him in his newfound role. The new leader issues a series of orders, and at once the large tent is taken down, and preparations are underway for the trolls to leave. As the last troll disappears into the trees on the far side of the encampment, as lost from sight, you make ready to abandon your hiding place and investigate the statue. Suddenly, a deep, rumbling voice thunders in your head. Well done, disciple! Approach my eye. Unnerved by the strange voice echoing in your head, you cautiously approach the vine-entangled statue, seeing yourself for what you feel may be the imminent threat. As you draw near to the statue, you spot a small, square, faintly glowing object lying on the ground at its base. You pick up the curious object and examine it. It's an unidentified wood icon. I've took it, and now let's look at it. This small, square, glowing icon is crafted out of solid wood. It is obvious this strange object is not of this world. The likeness of a large turtle is etched on, onto, onto its surface. You may affix this nevable icon to any imbuable item you possess. To enhance the attributes of the item, click the items button to, to view your inventory and then use and then use the desired imbuable item. It's not been identified yet. I'll do that shortly. As you stand before the vine-covered stone idol, the gentle hiss of a soft, waspy voice begins to echo in your head. You spin around, not quite, not knowing quite what to expect, and are surprised to discover no one is there. A great warrior spirit has smiled on you this day, Zoop, intones the voice in your head. You've spared this monument from desecration at the hands of the trolls, and Pauk has deemed you worthy of the honour of discipleship. 
he has already bestowed upon you. An icon of great power. Alright. What is Palk? Palk. The great warrior spirit. Known as the great warrior spirit. Scholars and sages have long debated the existence and nature of Palk. Who some believe to be a lesser god that serves Sifak, the Allfather. Hmm. Sort of, sort of a sort of odd monotheism where yeah there are other gods. We're cool. We're cool with that. A, a, a more chill monotheism. The most popular accounts of Palk places the great warrior spirit as the wrath of the Allfather, a powerful, omnipotent being that carries out the wrath. Of, an, of the all-powerful God. Though not worshipped directly by any large group, many warriors will wear charms or bear arms and equipment that have been inscribed with Palk's symbol. A clenched fist weighs skyward. Plaque's prayer is often uttered by warriors before entering battle. It is spoken as follows. Under the eyes of the All-Father, may the great warrior spirit Grant me swift and just victory, through my shield be cloven, cloven and my body spirit pierced. May my spirit endure, that I shall prevail. You examine the small, square, faintly growing, glowing object resting in the palm of your hand, and wonder what its significance might be. As if in answer to your unspoken questions, the voice in your head again speaks out. The icon you possess is a blessing from the great warrior spirit, speaks the voice. You will receive others in the wake of battle. When your prowess and courage in battle is pleased, Palk, the youth shall be made known to you in time, Zoop, but know they shall provide a true disciple with the means to craft powerful instruments of battle. For nearly a minute, the voice is silent. You're starting to believe it's departed for good. Good, when your thoughts are again interrupted by the soft, rasping hiss. You must seek out the realm of Kaluthanor, the voice intones. It is there that your true metal shall be known. And your worthiness as a disciple shall be laid bare. Seek out Lorthwin in the city of Talus, for he alone can start you on your journey. Seek out a place known as Pennycarn Lane. Well, that's another place to, to find. Just put that on the clipboard. Hint. To find the weapon, pay a visit to Pelican Lane. Intelligence. You may need to look for it. 64 XP to General. The soft, waspy voice that has invaded your thoughts fades and does not return. For a moment, the distant rumble of thunder echoes in your head, and then all is silent. You take another look at the strange icon resting in the palm of your hand, wondering what it all means, and if the man named Lawfen that the voice mentioned will be able to provide you with any answers. With these thoughts racing through your mind, you turn away from the vine-entangled statue and set off on the trek back to the city.
And I, I finished it. I'm back in the city. Explore Tannanus. Now let's look around for Pedicarn Lane. Alright, Pedicarn Lane is a quiet, narrow, narrow tree-lined street in an ancient part of the city's southern end. It runs adjacent to one of the main routes that leads to the city's south gate. So, it's quite two few options here. Move elsewhere in the city, stroll along the lane, or visit a one-down building named the Third House. Might as well do that. As you approach the building known as the Third House, a young woman with bright auburn hair washes out through the front door and throws her arms around you. She pulls back from the friendly embrace, and you, you instantly recognise the face of Serenia, the young woman, who, along with her acting trope, you rescue from the clutches of the cave goblins in Westworld. I knew you'd find your way here someday, she smiles, a hazel guise darting, darting to meet, darting to avoid your gaze. Come in at once, Sue. Those will be so pleased to see you. Serena ushers you into the building, where you are met by fellow members of her acting troupe. Some, are, some, of, some of them you recognise from the encounter in Westworld, while several of the faces are new. You spend the better part of an hour talking to the actors, who you learn have been recently commissioned to perform at a royal gala in the King's Citadel in a month's time. At last... You decide that it's time to take your leave of the third house. And you bid the actors farewell and make your way to the door. As you step out onto the street, you are suddenly joined by Serenia, who has followed you outside. She looks around nervously and then whispers something that startles you. I have reason to fear for my life, she says softly, her voice whacked with emotion. You listen as Karuna explains in a hushed but emotional tone that she feels her life is in danger and she does not know who she can turn to for protection. When you ask her about the nature of this danger, she regains much of her composure and is able to provide you with details of what is a truly intriguing story. Serenia tells you that when her mother, the head of the actors of the third house, passed away several months ago, she left for her daughter a large trunk of her most prized possessions. It was only a few days, however, that in the pockets of one of these costumes, he discovered a most astonishing item. A large, round emerald fastened to a silver chain. So he told you she had never seen the jewel before. But she quickly realised its immense value, value and carefully hid it away. You learn that not long, long after... Having come into possession of the jewel, she received several letters and ultimately an unpleasant visit from a man who claimed that the jewel belonged to him. He told Serena that her mother had long ago stolen a gem from him and that he merely sought the return of his family's most prized treasure. There was something about his eyes that struck fear into me. And it says, all the, all the while he spoke to me, those dark eyes were fixed on me. As if I was falling into some sort of trance. It was all I could do to keep from agreeing with his every word. Those horrible eyes. Those deep dark pools spoke of murder and deceit. 
She says that before the man departed, he warned her that unless she relinquished the crown, the jewel to him, she would meet with an with a timely and fitting fate. Serena tells you that ever since the strange encounter, she fears her every move is being watched. You also learn she is not dared to venture out into the city for fear of once again encountering the man. You're just about, and just last evening, this arrived on the doorstep, she says, producing a piece of folded parchment handing it to you. You unfold the thick scrap and stare at the words inked in black across the yellow surface. Time goes short. So does my patience. Bring what is mine to the footings tomorrow night, and all would be forgiven. Come alone. You need not fear for your safety. Yeah, that's the precise sort of person thing that someone would write if you really do have to fear for your safety. It's almost as if you fear for your safety. What are the footings, anyway? The footings is a name given to the ruins of an ancient temple in the forest north of the city of Talinus. The temple, built in order of Swithak, was destroyed in a goblin raid over a thousand years ago. All that remains today of the temple are the shattered remnants of its once mighty columns and the massive stone footings upon which the structure rested thus. Over the centuries, the ruins have become known to the local inhabitants as the footings. I dare not go, says Serena, her voice wife with fear. Yes, I cannot continue to live in fear over something until a few days ago I knew nothing about. I must take the jewel soup and bring it to the footings so I might be done with all of this. I know no one else capable enough to trust this business to. Beg you, in the name of the Allfather. As Corina raises her gaze to meet your own, you clearly see she's both frightened and desperate. So I could agree to take the jewels to the footings tonight, or I could break, or I could break an implied trust and refuse her request. No, no, obviously I'm a hero. I'm going to take the jewels to the footings and just. Play it from there. A look of relief passes over Serena's face when you agree to take the jewel to the footings, the hope of sparing her any further involvement in this mysterious and sinister business. Serena steps back into the third house and returns moments later with a small bundle of cloth that she places into your hand. You do not need to open the bundle to determine what it is she, she has given you. You quietly slip the item into your pocket. That I have a large emerald on a silver chain. View it's armor neck. It's got an encumbrance of one, and statistically, it doesn't do anything because it's valuable, not powerful, or at least as far as I know. This large, this large emerald hangs from a thin silver chain. A gem of this size. Is certain to be worth a small fortune. Hmm. Alright. Why not a big fortune? You told Selenia that you will deliver the jewel to the footings tonight as requested. And you will turn when your task is done. 
Do I could count on you, Duke, she says, bleeding. I dare say it's not by chance that our paths are crossed again this very day. The All-Father guides us with an unseen hand at times. You're caught off guard. Garda Serena quickly leans forward and plants a soft kiss on your cheek, before turning about and moving back towards the door. When she reaches it, she turns around and smiles. Good luck, Soup, she says, waving you to depart. My heart shall show no end shall know no end of trouble until you are safely returned here. You bid Serena farewell and make your way out of the city to the north, passing through several small villages and a thick, tangled forest en route to your wonder view at the footings. The footings proves to be a rather desolate spot in the midst of the forest, as you wind your way through a crumbling maze of cracked and toppled columns, become aware of a group of four men standing in the centre of the ruins. The four shadowy figures, gathered around one of the larger stone footings, turn to face you as you approach and one of them speaks. It matters not that you come in her place, says the bold, heavy-set, middle-aged man who steps forward. I hope you have bought me the emerald. The gnaw of our time has been wasted here tonight. This jewel belongs to me and mine, and I, Hoodlark the Fox, am, after all, a fair man above all else. There's a link for Hoodlark the Fox. Well, was there? Okay, wait, wait, hmm. There, there was, but, hmm. Okay, looks like this is something that was intended but never actually made. Oh well, that happens. Hoodlark. Let's just check again. Yep, Hoodark. We got Hoodark but not Hoodlark. But very close. But no, he, he doesn't have a link after all. Yeah, and it happens. Maybe some. And since this is this is a quest that doesn't actually go anywhere, I don't think it's ever gonna be added. I mean, it's been it's been here for fifteen years probably. So I don't think there's any real pressing need to have it in. The sounding of the name sends a chill for your body. Standing before you in this desolate spot in the forest is one of the kingdom's most wanted men, the legendary bandit of the wild known as Hoodlark the Fox. His cruelty and brazen nature have earned him a fierce reputation and elevated his status to almost legendary level. Now, friend, he smiles as he raises his eyes to meet your own. You will hand me over the emerald. You find yourself momentarily... Unable to break away from Hondark's gaze, the longer your eyes remain fixed on his deep, dark eyes, the more you want to immediately capitulate to his demand. All his three companions stir uneasily in the shadows behind him. Now, so I could hand over the jewel to Hodlark, which presumably 
would keep Suenia safe because honestly, I don't think she has anything else, else that, anything else that's worth enough to be worth Hudlark's attention. Or I could refuse to hand over the stone and demand that Hudlark leave Suenia alone. No, that could be dangerous for her though. Because I'm probably, I'm not going to be here for very long. And as soon as I'm gone, I mean, look, he's got, he's got, he's got, he's got men. He, he, he could, he could do some sort of dire revenge against her. Or just, you know, ransack the place. Or I could attack Hoodlark the Fox. Now, the thing is, if I attack him... Yes, there's a pretty good chance I'll be able to kill him. But then he's gonna have he's gonna have some men left. Because he's a bandit chief. Bandit chiefs have men left. They have loyalties and all that. There's gonna be some people left in his organization, even if I kill everyone here. Because he probably probably left a note somewhere saying I've went here if I die. Destroy these people as revenge. <laughs> you know, you know you're gonna be thorough, or something like that. Mm. So I could just hand over the jewel. That's probably the safest option for all concerned. Although, admittedly, I am. He is just going to go back to. He gets a jewel, he's just going to go back to threatening the next person for the next piece of jewellery, but I don't know these next people, so okay, I'm gonna hand over the jewel. You are wise and just, says Hudlark, as he takes the emerald from you and slips it inside his leather tunic. May you have a safe trip back to the city this night, friend, and be certain to tell Miss Serena she has nothing more to fear from me. For Hoodlark the fox is a man of his word, above all else. Hoodlark bows deeply, and then turns to walk back towards the three men, waiting in the shadows behind him. So now I could attack him, which would just cause trouble, really. Or I could leave at once and head back to the city. Hmm. Head back to the city. It's not until the wee hours of the morning that you once again find yourself inside the walls of Talonus. Not wishing to alarm anyone in the third house at this very late hour, decide that you will visit Suania first thing in the morning. As dawn breaks over the North Broadlands, you make your way along Pencarn Lane to the building known as the Third House. Suenia is overjoyed when you return safe and sound, and she is generally fascinated when you describe for her you encounter the footings with Hoodlark the Fox and his cohorts. When you relate to her that you imparted the emerald to Hoodlark and that he promised that she would have promised you she would have nothing more to fear from her, she smiles and nods. I'm happy that this business is over, she says. I care nothing for the jewel. If it was to promise me only fear, then I'm happy to be rid of it. What concerns me most, however, Zoop, she says, her face turning slightly wet, is your safe return. I should not have wished you to come to any sort of harm over this. 
wouldn't want to think not being able to see you ever again. There now. I've said too much and I've embarrassed myself. The next day, you were invited back to the third house, where Swain and the rest of her actors put on a number of comedic comedic sketches for a small but appreciative audience. Swainia tells you that these are some of the very same sketches that they will soon be performing at the King's Gala. You take your leave of Suenia and, and the actors of the third house, prepare to once again set out into the city. As you step out onto the street, Suenia follows after you, thanks you again for your help. You must come back and visit us soon, she said. She leans forward and embraces you in a long hug. Before she pulls back from the embrace, Serena surprises you with a quick but tender kiss. She pulls away, blushing, and steps back towards the front door of the third house. She watches as you depart along Pennycarn Lane. What happens if I go back there? The actors of the third house, and Serena in particular, are happy to see you, and you are treated to a surprisingly lavish dinner, after which you watch them rehearse several scenes from a new drama they have been working on. When at last it is time for you to go, you bid them all farewell and step out onto the street. Not surprisingly, Suena follows you out and catches you beyond the front door. There she pulls you into a tender embrace before stepping back and allowing you to depart. Pray it's not long before I see you again, Zoop, she calls after you. You bow politely and promise to return soon. Serena stands at the door and watches as you move off along Pennycarn Lane. Yeah, and it's the same scene if I visit her again. Okay, now let's stroll along this lane. You move along Pennycarn Lane, taking in the sights along this tree-lined street. As you move along the street, you spot a small man in a waggy cloak, watching you closely from the mouth of a narrow alley. As you approach, as you approach, he tips the brim of his grubby leather hat and cracks a rather unsettling smile. Good day to you, sir, he says, holding out his upturned hat. Perhaps you'll be kind enough to spare a gold token? Give one gold token to the wretched beggar, might as well. The beggar flashes you an unsettling grin as you deposit the gold token into his overturned hat. He quickly removes the coin and slips it into his pocket before again donning the grimy hat. You're about to continue past it without paying him further heed when he suddenly says something completely unexpected. If you're a man of means, I might be able to show you something that would be of interest to you. Something I'm interested in parting with. For a price. It will cost you 50 tokens just to see it though, mind you. The small, wretched man leers up at you from beneath the solid brim of his hat. He appears to be studying you closely as he awaits your response. So, paying 50 tokens and see something? Or refuse the offer, I'll pay him the 50 tokens. The beggar snatches up the 50 gold tokens and deposits them somewhere within the filthy wag that serves as his cloak. He, f- he flashes you another unnerving grin and bows deeply. 
My name's Wenwold, he says. Same as that, as for our glorious king, though I will not trade his lot in life for mine on his best day. No offence meant, of course. Wenwold tells you he will now take you to where you may view the something he has spoken of, and slinks off into the alley, beckoning for you to follow along behind him. So, I could follow him, not follow him, or use divination to find out, is this some sort of trap? Divination. It succeeded. You sense that that Wendell has not told his true name, as he plies a trade other than that of a common beggar. Through able to detect, detect a strong aura of malice and deceit surrounding him, you also sense he means you no immediate harm. Alright. So, it's not a trap, but he's probably going to try to con me. Oh, well. I got some lots of money, so I can take a few cons. On the off chance, it is something nice. Follow him into the alley. Wenwold leads you along the alley and stops near a stack of mouldy, rotting wood. He moves several of the decaying timbers to reveal a wooden ladder leading down into the darkness. He descends the ladder and disappears from sight. A few moments later, later the bright flare of a torch can be seen at the foot of the ladder, some ten feet below. Wenwold, his unsavoury face illuminating illuminating the the orange flickering light, tells you to climb down the ladder. You cautiously descend and find yourself... So, standing in a small, damp room. No tricks on your part now, says Wenwold, as he speaks and waves his hand in the direction of the two tall, shadowy individuals standing against the wall to your left. And you two, no tricks on your part either, because they would go very badly for you. Although you cannot make out their features in this deep gloom, you have no doubt they are watching you closely. Wenwold motions to a wooden table against the wall to your white and tells you to have a look at what is laid upon it. You step forward and take a look. Your eyes fall upon a curious item laid upon the wooden table. It's a jade studded belt. Let's have a look. Jade studded belt. Let's look at it. This thick leather belt is studded with pieces of jade. It's got two stamina points, three body too might, so I've no reason to have this. And in fact, there's very few reasons for anyone to ever have this. You examine the item more closely. To examine the item more closely, click on its name above. When will tells you he's willing to sell the jade-studded belt to you for a very reasonable sum of of what for 5,100 gold tokens. He shuffles about nervously as you continue to study the item. Now, of course, this is a unique item that you can't get anywhere else. So, I guess it's worth it just for completionism. Hand over the money. Alright, I now have this jade studded belt. I'm never going to wear it. <laughs> Wenwold leads you out of the small chamber and back into the alley. He tells you to stop by from time to time, as he may have more items that might be of interest to you. 
You quickly move out of the alley and back onto Pencarn Lane. Okay, what happens if I stroll across the lane again? You move along, you move along Pengar Lane, taking the sights along the tree-lined street. As you stroll along Pencar Lane, you notice the tall man in black robes moving along the opposite side of the street. The man has a lengthy grey beard and carries a long wooden staff. The man suddenly pauses at the mouth of a wide alley and turns to enter it. Completely upset by taken aback, however, when he suddenly turns and stares directly at you. His 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 cold, piercing gaze sends an involuntary shiver the length of your spine. The man abruptly turns, steps into the alley, and disappears from sight. Follow him into the alley, I guess. When you reach the above mouth, mouth of the alley, you're surprised to find it is now empty. There is no sign of the man in, in, in black robes you've witnessed stepping into the alley only moments ago. However, as you peer into the gloom, as you peer into the gloom, you note the, na- the narrow passage is a dead end, set, in, set into a stone wall. Set in a stone wall at the far end of the alley is a wooden door. Investigate the door at the end of the alley. Continue on your way. If you have the power of divination, novice, and wish to use it, I do and I do. Channeling it, you sense a powerful malevolent presence behind the closed door. You also sense that powerful magic is at work in the alley. Investigate anyway. Investigate the door at the end of the alley. You've taken less than ten steps into the alley when you suddenly feel disorientated. You stagger forward for a few more feet until an intense wave of nausea drops you to your knees and your vision starts to blur. As you struggle to return to your feet, the door at the end of the alley swings open. Standing in the doorway is the tall, grey-bearded man in black robes, flanked on either side by two large black wolves. He sneers as he fixes his cold gaze upon you. Suddenly, the man's chilling stare softens and a faint smile, smile appears on his face. The overpowering sensation of nausea coursing through your body subsides. And he steps forward and reaches down to help you to his feet. Quickly now, Soup, he says, you dare not linger here. The man ushers you through the doorway into a small, windowless room. He crosses the door behind himself and stands, with his arms crossed as he looks, o- looks you over closely. The two black wolves stroll over to one corner of the room and flop flop down, apparently not interested in paying you any further attention. Your coming appeared to me in my dream, says the grey-bearded man, breaking what have been several moments of silence. The great warrior spirit thirsts again for a champion. Lest my ages eyes deceive me, I shall proclaim that before me stands one truly worthy of his discipleship. The man introducing himself as Lothred. He tells you that despite his present appearance, he was once a warrior of unmatched skill, who, like you, was himself called upon for discipleship 
but the warrior spirit Pauk. That was many years ago, he said. The spirit grows restless, and indeed, I dare say the world is in need of a new champion. For none yet, not, of, not even I, have been able to do the entirety of the great spirit's bidding. It is therefore unto you that I must pass the mantle of discipleship. Lothwin tells you that the strange icon you received at the statue in the forest is a token that was bestowed upon you by Pack himself. The grey-bearded maid explains the icons may be fitted onto wear, imbuable weapons and pieces of armour, bestowing upon these icons items a myriad of wondrous enchantments. Such items are not of this world, he says gravely, and indeed there is but one place in which I know them to exist. It's the realm of Kalufalar, a dark neveral realm, a place of wild, primal beauty, and yet of unspeakable terror. This is a realm the great warrior spirit created, and then mysteriously abandoned has long since fallen to chaos and ruin. Its, its surviving, faithful subjects remain there. It battled against the dark horde that has invaded his realm in the absence of Pauk, awaiting their ultimate deliverance at the hands of their master's true disciple. I guess that's me. Nothing explains that reclaiming Kalothalar in the name of Pauk and the defeat of the wickedness that has claimed the realm stands as the defining test of skill and resolve for the true disciple of the great warrior spirit, a test that is yet to have been met. No disciple has ever been able to vanquish the evil that stalks that realm, says Lothran grimly. And yet, why do I find myself choosing to hope that in you there is the faint light of hope to pierce the ageless darkness. Uh, because I have an MLA rating of 248, perhaps? Lower tells you there is little time to waste, for although there has been it, for though it has been many years since he passed into the level realm of Canal Falar, in his dreams he has foreseen a terrible fate about to, to befall the Thanorians. Wait. Fenorians? Fenorians. This race of grey-skinned humans with jet-black, pupilless eyes stand inhabits the shadowy realm of, Than- of Calorthanor. The Falerians are all the remains of a vast population that faithfully served Pauk, the great warrior spirit, in the glorious realm of his creation. Upon the sudden and unexpected departure of their master, however, the realm of Kalorfanar fell into ruin and decay, as vast hordes of wicked creatures from the depths of the Nevenus invaded it. The Tupfanorians, determined to await the arrival of the true disciple of their master, defended their last remaining refuge, the town of Shadow Edge from an ever-increasing tide of evil that assails its borders. Alright, when I get there, there's going to be a lot for me to do.
the evil that presses the great warrior spirit's subjects is greater than ever before, he says gravely. I fear that without the arrival of a true champion, and indeed their master's chosen disciple, disciple, their struggle for survival will soon be at an end, and the realm of Canalthanar will be forever lost. Lothwin places his hand on your shoulder, and his stern demeanour softens. I'm an old man, Zoop, and I have done in the time that was given to me all I could. The burden of discipleship now rests upon your shoulders, and you must now bear it, even if you would wish otherwise. When you feel you are prepared to take your first step on that journey, return to the statue in the forest. The statue is a gateway between our world and the Neverall world of Canalthanar which only a true disciple may pass. Place your hand on the ancient stone and you will be transported to the Norian town of Shadowedge. There shall your task begin. Thorin looks over gravely for a moment and then speaks again. You must seek out Shirin Takam in Shadowedge, he says. He is the leader of the Norians, a man of great ability and wisdom. He'll be able to apprise you on the current state of things. Lorathur wishes you luck and tells you to return to him when as needed. In the event that he might be able to offer you any help, you bid him farewell and set out on your way. Zoop, as a disciple of Plak, the great warrior spirit, you from we will from time to time collect special icons following a victory in combat. These icons will be unidentified when you retreat, receive them. If you have the skill of Arcania, you may be able to use it to identify these icons. You may also return to Lothrin in Talnus, and he will identify, identify the icons for you. You will also identify anything else that's unidentified. So it's a convenient service for very low-level adventurers, but every, everyone else, not so much. For additional information on the Halcons and icons and how they are used, please refer to the documentation. Okay, let's identify that item we got. Wood icon of legendary body and 16 XP to Arcania. Now, icons are in their own separate part, own separate category of items right at the very, very bottom. And you end up getting a lot of them. Wood icon of legendary body. It gives plus one body. This small square glowing icon is crafted out of solid wood. It's obvious that this square is obvious that this strange object is not of this world. The likeness of a large turtle is etched onto its surface. And 16 XP to Arcadia. Which is why you should identify yourself. Especially because if you get a lot of items, it can start to add up. So, I think that's that's enough for now. So next time, we're going to go back to the forest statue and explore... Explore the realm of Canal Thanor, help the Thanorians... Fulfill my destiny as a discipline of Pike, and presumably 
kick a lot of ass. And until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.